Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul. This was the case. I expected an apology. 
I expected him to at least say, hey, docs, you know, sorry, the information wasn't accurate. It wasn't admit to any lying or negative intent. It wasn't just an apology. You know what? I'm sorry. No, uh-uh, no apology, none whatever. Not even no apology. There was no offer of a solution or corrective action. And not only was there no offer of a solution or corrective action, there wasn't a suggestion even put forth of a plan to prevent a miscalculation of this magnitude from happening again in the medical ministry. I said, I can't, I can't believe this. <laughs> this is beyond, this is absolutely beyond awful. So as a reasonable human being, you would expect someone misrepresents something intentionally or accidentally, doesn't matter. As soon as the misrepresentation becomes apparent, that they would apologize, make amends, and offer some kind of assurance that it wouldn't be happening again in the future. Nada, nothing, nothing. I, I, I cannot even tell you how just uh, amazingly surprised I was. Like, this is a serious amount of nerve. So let me share with you the results of, or how they, how they, how did they figure this out? I mean, when I calculated that you need to take a statin for 1,250 years before you saw benefit, it became immediately obvious to me that there was no chance of benefiting in one lifetime. And since all I had to spend on it was one lifetime, of course, it made no sense to get started on a statin drug. It's like you're buying a house you can't afford. You know, if, if your income is only a certain amount of money, then buying a house for, say, $10 million would be practical because you couldn't begin to afford it. It's free. You might not even be able to afford the upkeep or the maintenance, for example. So going into it, I realized even if the statin drugs were free, the doctor visits were free, everything was free, I still couldn't afford it because I didn't have 1,250 years to invest to make it work. Okay? And since nobody has 1,250 years to make it work, it's not going to work for anyone. This is not something that's going to work. That's what I calculated. How did I calculate this? Did I go through some backdoor method? Did I file a Freedom of Information Act? No! I just read the package insert. They did this simple fourth grade math and the division. Oh my God, this is going to take a long time, a long time. Don't have that kind of time. So let's see how they figured it out. Okay, this is what they did. Okay. So, National Nitrate Goddess introduced in 1977 and 83 by the U.S. and the United States and U.K. of the England government. Now, here is a definite, those of you conspiracy theorists who are into the Illuminati connection and how England runs the United States. Uh, here's a connection right here. United States and England both at the same time, same guidelines. Very suspicious. Okay. And so they wanted to reduce coronary heart disease by reducing fat intake. And the present, this study is going to examine the past evidence. And what's really amazing is they took all of these trials that they reviewed, and they combined these trials. And these were 
you know, research evidence, information that was available in literature over the past, you know, 30 years or so. And why no one bothered to read it until, uh, let's get the release date here. I believe it was June 6th. I don't mean it. Anyway, until 2015, no one decided to look at this data. This is this is surprising. But you have to ask yourself, what did the FDA base their approval on these cholesterol drugs? What this what evidence did they base their approval on? When there is no evidence, one, that the cholesterol these drugs sought to reduce was of any benefit if it was reduced. Interesting. All right, the objective was to look at these guidelines and methods systematic review and meta-analysis undertaken of all the studies published prior to 1983, which examined the relationship between dietary fat, serum cholesterol, and the development of heart disease. So these are studies published prior to 1983. That means all this stuff, what I'm telling you, was known, known by anyone who wanted to know, anybody who wanted to look, this was known prior to 83. I'll have you know I graduated from medical school in 1983. And I'll also have you know that when I graduated from medical school, I was not convinced of the benefit, cholesterol manipulation at all. I just I didn't get it. Okay. So they, uh, this one study had 2,467 men in six dietary trials. And this is the bottom line. There were 370 deaths from all-cause mortality in the intervention. So ones who were treated had 370 deaths. And the control groups, okay. The relative risk ratio for meta-analysis was 0.996. There were 207 and 216 deaths from heart disease in the intervention and control groups. All right, so if you got treatment, 270, 207 guys died. Didn't get treatment, 216 people died. That's basically, the same. But statistically speaking, those are not different. Now, you have something called relative risk. Relative risk means you take the results of one method divided by the results of another method, and the further that is away from the number one, the more different the two things are. So we're looking for how different this is from the number one. What's the answer? The answer is 0.996. Yep, 0.996. Which means treatment or no treatment with a statin so the life expectancy was about the same. It was the same. No, no, no difference. Okay. The reductions in mean, that means average serum cholesterol levels, were higher in the intervention group. The intervention group did get a lowering of their cholesterol levels. However, this did not result in any differences in coronary heart disease or all-cause mortality. Conclusion. Dietary recommendations were introduced for 220 million U.S. and 56 million U.K. citizens by 1983 in the absence of supporting evidence from random clinical trials. I don't agree with that conclusion. I don't agree with that conclusion. The conclusion should be that cholesterol-lowering drugs were recommended in the absence of supporting random clinical trials. Because here, they're showing that they have a treatment group and no treatment group, and the no treatment group did as well as the treatment group. So this is clear and convincing evidence against the use of any drug or intervention for the purpose of lowering cholesterol. That's actually what this 
show. It didn't show anything about dietary recommendations. Dietary recommendations are another matter. It's not clear that dietary recommendations even lower cholesterol, which is a whole other question. But the trials showing that dietary intervention, effective dietary intervention, sort of lowering of cholesterol, was not effective in reducing heart disease, that is compelling information. And so, so this systematic review and meta-analysis, that means you analyze the analysis, this is what scientists do, they analyze things, um, will assess if the published, published random clinical trials available to the dietary committee supported their recommendations of dietary fats. With this in mind, we guessed, hypothesized, it means we guessed, the random clinical trial evidence available to the dietary communities at the time of issuing recommendations did not support the belief that reducing dietary fat intake would contribute to a reduction in coronary heart disease risk or related mortality. Okay. So what we have going on here is they're talking about dietary recommendations for lowering cholesterol, specifically reducing your, your saturated fat, specifically reducing your animal fat. So it seems to me the meat industry has got to be hurting and that they put a little pressure on here to take a relook at the data. I'm reading between the lines just because it's so obvious here that if cholesterol levels are not indicative of illness, and if adjusting those levels does not produce benefit, then the real conclusion here is that cholesterol testing should be stopped immediately. Cholesterol drugs should be tapered off and withdrawn. And that shameful chapter in medical history should be closed. At least, minimum, minimum. Let's see what they recommend. This is, uh, I'm telling you, you just, you can't make this stuff up. So we're still waiting for the apology. Search strategy. A search was undertaken to identify all the random clinical trials that examined the relationship between dietary fat, serum cholesterol, and mortality. And it had different exclusion criteria. Uh, so any observational study, non-randomized, or multifactorial in design, which are all like uh, very technical stuff. And they selected their studies. We're going to trust that they used uh, some kind of reasonable method here. Actually, we're not going to trust. I read them, read the stuff, and it's, it's hyper-technical, not very interesting. So this is what they concluded. So they have interventions and comparisons, and the outcome they use is all-cause mortality. That's my favorite outcome because what you really want as a human being when you embark on any kind of therapy is you want to know at the end of the day, am I reducing my chances of dying or am I just going to die from the drugs instead of heart disease? That's the real question. And so if, if, if embarking on a therapy is not going to improve the quality of your life today and or improve your future, then why bother? No point. 
And so these people finally are using something called all-cause mortality. Now, a lot of cardiac studies will use heart attack as an endpoint. Uh, and they exclude anyone from the study who dies of something other than a heart attack. Well, that's not, that study does not validly reflect the values of the consuming public, I should say of the victimized public. And so then people who die, who don't die of a heart disease, are automatically excluded. Which means then, if you, if, if you use that criteria in the study, which a lot of modern studies are doing, I say modern, I mean post, post 2000, then you're, you're, you're not measuring the variable people would want to know about is, am I going to live longer or better if I take this drug? So coronary um, heart disease, again, the relative risk for all seven studies was 0.989. Again, very close to the number one, which means just what they said, no statistically significant relationship between dietary interventions and heart death. None. And serum cholesterol levels, this is this is even more um, more shocking. The main findings of the meta-analysis of the six randomized clinical trials. And remember, that's what, that's what the, that's the gold standard, randomized clinical trials. Available to time of issuing dietary guidelines in the United States and England indicates that all-cause mortality was identical in the intervention, that means the ones who were treated, and the control, that means the untreated groups. There was no difference in death from coronary heart disease. The reductions in mean serum cholesterol was higher in the treated groups, but this did not result in a difference in coronary heart disease or all-cause mortality. In other words, reducing the cholesterol level does not reduce coronary heart disease at all. So this was really uh, amazing. And so again, we have here no apology, none, whatever. And even they, only one study made a positive claim for its intervention after five years, and subsequently, let me later on. This was moderated. Um, now, what they recommended, and this is very bad, is they recommended that cholesterol in the diet, fat in the diet, be replaced by olive oil, corn oil, or soy oil. Yes, you got it. So now you've got genetically modified corn oil, genetically modified soy oil, replacing saturated but natural animal fat. Of course, um, things are going to end poorly, uh, which they did. So the present review concludes that dietary advice should not ever have been introduced. So the low cholesterol diet should never have been introduced because there was never any evidence of its effectiveness. How did the FDA miss this one? How did the CDC miss this one? Okay, I don't know. And actually, in terms of my way of seeing the world, it doesn't even matter. I think you just close those two agencies right now and improve the health of the United States overnight. But this is amazing. 
Okay, so we've, we've got this thing going on where we now know that cholesterol levels are totally irrelevant as a measure of health. We now know that treating cholesterol levels is totally irrelevant as a measure of health. This is this we now know. If we're going to believe this study published by hmm, Zoe Harcombe, Julian Baker, Stephen Mark Cooper, Bruce Davis, no, Bruce Davies, Nicholas Schultorpe, and James D. D. Nicolantonio. Okay. It was published in a magazine called Open Heart, Open Heart Magazine. Okay. And so, he said, well, let's take a look at uh, more information that we have uh, on statins. As we mentioned before, that uh, statins, it's been shown, are linked to diabetes and complications, diabetes and complications in healthy adults. If you're a healthy adult, you're taking a statin to prevent, presumably coronary yeah. artery disease, by lowering your cholesterol, then you are in the risk of increasing, increased risk of diabetes and complications. Without, now we know, you have no benefit, no benefit, no. And this is a confession made by the medical industrial complex itself. Okay, so you're going to get diabetes. Got it. What else they got waiting for you if you decide you want to go for the statins? The facts of statins on memory loss remains uncertain. What? Uncertain? Uncertain? Oh, let's dig a little deeper. So the study involving nearly half a million statin users and the same number of non-users fail to determine whether statin drugs harm memory. Well, let's put it the other way around. Did it show any benefit on memory? No, no benefit on memory. Let's see. So this is this is the headline. Let's dig in deeper and see what's really underneath this, if anything. And there, there's a lot here. Okay, so this was published. June 8th, in the Journal of American Medical Association. This is hot off the press, guys. It's, I mean, it's like hot baked cookies at grandma, not even cooled yet. Shows that both statin and non-statin lipid-lowering drugs were strongly associated with acute, that means sudden, memory loss within 30 days of exposure. The authors note those results could show that people treated with these drugs simply see their physicians more. Other doctors are more likely to detect memory loss. Yeah, right. Now, what we have to understand here is there's a bunch of drugs called lipid-lowering drugs. Some of those drugs are statins. Many of them are not. They're all lipid-lowering drugs. Okay. So what they're saying here is, the question is, are statins, a certain type of lipid-lowering drug, responsible for memory loss? And let's just see what they did. So they compared 482,000 new statin users with individuals in two control groups, one mass of individuals not using any lipid-lowering drugs, and a second control group of 26,000 users of non-statin drugs. Groups were matched by sex, age, group, and enrolled duration. And they were examined at various periods before the memory loss incident, within 30 days before the incident, 30, 60 days before the incident, 180 days before the incident, and a year before the incident. Okay, 
Investigators excluded all patients with a history of cognitive issues such as Alzheimer's and dementia, as well as those with other issues involving the brain, including tumors, brain infections, and Down syndrome. Okay, gotcha. Researchers found a strong association between first exposure to statins and memory loss within 30 days in a comparison between statin users and non-users. Adjusted odds ratio, 4.4. Holy cow. 4.4. That means if you took a statin drug, or in this case, yeah, statin drug, you had a 4.4 times higher rate of memory loss in the ensuing 30 days than someone who did not take a statin drug. In other words, the drug, you're 4.4 times as likely to get more stupid. Now, you don't need to make any confessions, but I think everyone listening to this radio show would agree that we can all use all the brain power we can get. And to have it reduced at a rate four times that of the regular population is actually frightening. Especially when we realize the high rate of Alzheimer's, which we'll talk about in a minute. And so confidence interval of 3.1 to 6.4. Okay. Further, the data also show an association between the use of non-statin lipid-lowering drugs and memory loss when compared with non-drug users. And this is 3.60. 95% confidence interval is 1.3 to 9.7. What does that mean? That means even though the average rate was 3.6 times more frequent, the true number is between 1.34, it means 34% more likely, to 9.70, which means the person is 970% more likely to have a problem. But in either case, either way you slice it, you're increasing your chances of getting stupid by, by 34%. Why take a drug to get stupid when it's modifying a cholesterol, something called a cholesterol level that has no impact on your health? Answer, religious adherence. That's all you can say. It's, it's your religion. It's, just, it's, a, it's a belief you have that you believe it because you believe it. That's all there is to it. Everyone's entitled to their belief, but why does, I mean, how, do you, how does it qualify as health care? However, when statin users were compared with non-statin users, now here's where we get into the little shady stuff. When, lipid, when statin lipid-lowering lipid drug users were compared with non-statin lipid-lowering drug users, okay, so both these sets of, of people are taking drugs. One are lowering their lipids with various drugs. Another one lowering their lipids with statin drugs. What's the, there was no increase in memory loss found. So what does that mean? It means all the lipid lowering drugs are equally harmful. I mean, you know, duh. So the odds ratio were adjusted for compounders such as diabetes, melanin, hypercholesterolemia, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, stroke, that, 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 long list. So basically, when you compare drug users to non-drug users, these are uh, lipid lowering drugs, there is a statistically significant difference in their memory loss. Let's talk about memory loss. Now, memory loss, a lot of people think of memory loss. Oh, memory loss. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I, I forget my keys, uh, this, that, uh, that, whatever. No, we have to get down to brass tacks. 
what is Alzheimer's? Alzheimer's basically you cannot remember things that you used to know. Okay, that's Alzheimer's. It means you lose stuff that was in your brain. Then there's dementia. Dementia means you're stupid. It means you don't have the ability to acquire new memories. I don't want you, but I don't want to have either case. So calling it memory loss instead of Alzheimer's or dementia, you know, and putting it all in one big bag and mixing it together, it doesn't make it any better or any nicer. You, you still can't remember anything or you remember a lot less than before you took the drug. So these drugs are seriously damaging. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm forgetting because, you know, I'm getting old timers disease. Oh, I'm forgetting because I'm just naturally aging. It might be your statin drug. Then we talked about the diabetes issues. Oh, this is really cute. Here's a case of a patient with myalgia on every statin. They took a patient. They do case studies. They're trying to help encourage these doctors by case studies. And so, 60-year-old man with coronary artery disease comes in today for a follow-up appointment. And his last visit, you had initiated prevastatin after he experienced myalgia with both simvastatin and lovastatin. So they're presuming that I put this guy in three different cholesterol-lowering drugs. And he has had aches and pains on all of them. He reports to you that he stopped taking the prevastatin a few weeks ago because of his muscle aches. What do you do? This is actually after Dr. Dick. Restart prevastatin and advise him to take necroxin daily. Check the vitamin D level. Start current on Q10. Start another cholesterol-lowering medication. So the answer is... And you guys will be very thrilled to know that your doctor does engage in the standard care. The answer is check the vitamin D level. Yes. Order another test. Absolutely. Order another test. And at no point in this long discussion, many, many uh, paragraphs. Do they even mention that uh, it was inappropriate to try this guy on four different cholesterol-lowering drugs? So the most recent study on the effectiveness of drug X and treating elevated lipids comes from a particular trial and only showed a modest benefit in reducing cardiovascular events. It's unclear whether use without a statin is effective. So it's other drugs that they suggested to only go to use with a statin, and the benefits are modest. So if they're calling these benefits modest, and, and the benefits of, of statins are called life-saving, and we not know if statins are useless, this drug is going to be less than useless. Vitamin D, in contrast, appears to have a role. Although this issue has been researched for the past decade, that would be 10 years, two studies published just this year have been helpful. They show that plasma vitamin D levels were very low in patients with statin-associated myalgia compared to patients without muscle pain. So they're saying, it's not statin. No, the person has a vitamin D deficiency. And so this is, this is what we have going on. Maybe they have a vitamin D deficiency, but they didn't find before the statin was started. So this is the uh, sorry state of affairs. <laughs> this is cute. Your patient returns two weeks later. His vitamin D level is now within normal limits. He informs you that he doesn't believe in that natural craft 
and wants to know what medication you want to prescribe next. And what do they tell you? Now, this is bias, right? Because this guy can come in and says, doesn't believe in that natural crap. So they're trying to tell you that the natural stuff is crap. So let's see. And they give doctors these uh, quizzes and, and the screens that display the answer or the next step are just riddled, riddled with, um, with advertisements. And so this guy comes in and says, Doc, give me what you got. Uh, you know, I've got debilitating local aches in the last four drugs. But I, I want to see, you know, what else it is that, uh, that you have going. Of course, the correct answer is <laughs> that you restart them on yet another cholesterol-lowering drug. This is the kind of training doctors are getting. This is the standard of care. And this, of course, does not leave any place good. Now, let's take a look. Let's hypothesize. If we go through the process of what we would expect to happen if someone confesses that the information they gave you was wrong, that the tens of thousands of dollars they've, actually the billions of dollars they've taken from your insurance company, from you through unnecessary premiums, was uh, fraudulent, what would we expect them to do? Well, first we expect an apology. We haven't got it yet. We expect an apology. That's number one. The next thing we expect is some kind of redress. How about refunding all the money to anyone who ever bought a, a statin drug? Don't refund it to the drug company, I mean, to the insurance company. Refund it to the actual person who paid the insurance premiums. They need a refund. And then next, what are we going to do to make sure that this doesn't ever happen again? Now, one thing that happens with so-called research is that... Um, the advertisers, the drug companies, and the PR departments will take a study and they'll, they'll measure the cholesterol level, say, for two weeks or six weeks or 12 weeks, whatever period the drug seems to be effective for, just cut the study off at that point. And then they'll have that stuff to show to the FDA. And the FDA says, oh, well, this drug does seem to lower cholesterol, so I guess we'll check that box. Uh, it's effective. And so the, that is the process. So we need to change the process. And personally, I think the biggest uh, process change is to skip the FDA totally. Let people know they're taking these drugs at their own risk, that there is no assurance that they are safe or that they are effective. And there is no assurance that if they are effective at what they say, which is lowering cholesterol, there is no assurance that that is actually going to improve your health. That's the truth. So we have, that. We have an agency called the FDA giving something called false assurance. 
So we need to just abolish the FDA. Let everyone know that they are taking these drugs literally at their own risk because that's absolutely what they are doing. There is no, um, the FDA has been totally ineffective. Totally ineffective. And we're looking at statin or the whole class of cholesterol-lowering drugs built on a false premise. The premise being that lowering the cholesterol level improves a person's health. And this premise was known to be false in the 70s and 80s. Yet a whole industry, a whole industry, we have Pravastatin, Rosuvastatin, we have Sunvastatin. It doesn't, it doesn't end there. We have the, the, the Fibrate, Colfibrate, Genfibrosil. Then we have the Azole. It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. It, it doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't doesn't end. So there's tons and tons of statins, and it's not clear. I should say it's clear that they're all ineffective and medically uh, not of any benefit to anyone's health. Now, before you get too excited about this, what's the definition of medically unnecessary? Medically unnecessary means it's not listed in the protocol and the standards here. So even though we know that statins are totally ineffective in benefiting people's health. Giving them is still appropriate because it's still part of the standard of care. Interesting. All right, so the first thing is apology. Gotcha. Next is redress. At least refund the money. At least refund the money to the patients. So every patient that's taking a statin needs to get a check for the total dollar amount of all the statins he ever got. That's what I would say would be a solution. As far as anyone going to jail, and you know, accidents happen, mistakes happen. You know, the folks own the government anyway. I don't think there's a chance of that happening. But something needs to happen. And third is to prevent this from happening again. Dissolving the FDA would be nice. The people need to know that they are really taking these drugs absolutely, totally, and completely at their own risk. And the FDA is not providing them any, any protection at all, any protection at all. So I think the best thing going forward would be for people to realize they are just literally proceeding at their own risk. Are there other diagnoses that are just as flagrantly negative in terms of the impact on people's health? Sure. Hypertension, a good one. It has been proven, it has been shown that treating hypertension does not in any way modify the person's risk of death or improve your life expectancy. Well, hey, no health benefits, then why, why are we doing this? What is this, a practice of religion? Doesn't sound like a scientifically-based practice to me. And so we do that, you pick something like hypertension, which is a number, or cholesterol, which is a number, and then you say, is the drug effective in changing that number? Without going further and saying, is changing that number going to help somebody live a longer, better life? So very, very shocking. Diabetes, another one. All the evidence points to diabetic therapy increasing the diabetic's risk of death by at least 30%. And that's a minimum increase, and that's just a confession from the industry itself. I suspect it's much higher. So there you go. So that would be their way of, of, of changing it. I would say certainly anybody... Uh, 
contemplating medical intervention of any kind, definitely do not treat any condition you don't already have. I know it's a toughie, but if you don't have it, don't treat it. You know, if I was talking to people 50 years ago, they would say that's so obvious. Of course, you wouldn't treat something you don't have. But now, most diseases treat something you don't have, like diabetes, for example. You treat the blood sugar because you're trying to prevent something you don't have, which might be heart disease or eye disease or something like that. I just met a diabetic today. He had terrible eye disease. Flies back and forth to the United States to get his, his diabetic eyes treated, probably laser or something. Well, obviously, his diabetic therapy is not working. But uh, if you don't have it, don't treat it. Very, very important. Now, the other thing they found, which is interesting, is they found that cholesterol medications were not effective even when administered to people who had already had a heart attack. So it didn't help them prevent having more heart attacks. Um, so this is really, really really bad. This is absolutely, totally useless. And I'd just like to say, uh, and so, so, well, first of all, let me tell you what the article, the final, final bottom line of the article is, it's okay to eat eggs. Jesus Christ. How about stop checking cholesterol? How about getting off those drugs? Uh, no. Okay. So that's the apology, the redress, future going forward. Uh, easy beans. If you don't have it, don't treat it. Very, very important because all the evidence is that everything that medicine has been treating by way of prevention is pretty bogus. Um, and with diabetes especially, the medications appear to cause the very illness that um, or complications that treatment supposedly prevents. All right, so we're ready for questions. If you're on the phone, you can click your number there. If you're in the chat room, you can uh, speak up. I'm going to go over to the chat room here and just uh, check in and say hello. Uh-oh, slow computer. Now, many of you know I've been having computer problems. I have been having terrible, terrible, terrible computer problems. Um, so I have my son flying in to Panama tomorrow with a new computer for me. And I'm hoping it will solve my problem. Right now, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I am using one computer to access the radio show and talk to you. And then I have to use another computer, a whole separate computer, to control the uh, to control the control room online. <laughs> okay. Oh boy, the chat room is really hopping here. I had not been uh, paying attention to it because I've been trying to focus on trying to uh, make sure everything's understandable. So if people have questions, they can click their buttons, and I'm going to go uh, check for questions right now. Okay. All righty. Hi, your name and your question, please. Hi, are you there? Okay. 
right, let's go back to the chat room because there's a lot happening in the chat room. Okay, here we are. All right, there's a lot of opinions here in the chat room. I just like to say, I don't agree with a lot of things, and that's okay. And you guys need to agree with me, and that's okay too. I think it's really important that everyone bring their full creativity to the table. In other words, not so much that you agree with me, but that you expand your opinion or your um, of the possibilities. In other words, it's clear that what you're being told is not true. Now, what is true, I think that's open to discussion. Okay, so some person says... <laughs> All right, can you repeat the name and other details of the article? Okay, so let me see if I can find the details of the article. Uh, oh. Now these articles are on Medscape. And so what I'm reading are the articles that are discussing the actual article. So you can just go to the Journal of the American Medical Association, the latest edition, which is June 6th. Actually, I'm sorry, June 8th today. Um, and they talk about um, what I have here. Okay. So let me give you the link to this article. 3W dot medscape.com forward slash view article forward slash eight three nine five six four question mark src equals wnl underscore edit underscore specol ampersand uac equals two two zero three eight three capital hv there you go so, that's the article reference. Let's see what else in chat. <laughs> yes, I'll post it. Do you get off that Do you have to get off them slowly? Yes, you can. Do you have to get off them slowly? If you've only been on them very shortly, like for, say, I don't know, a week or two, just stop them, no problem. But if you've been on them for a while, it's a year, year, then you do have to, you do have to stop them slowly and paradoxically, you have to increase your cholesterol intake. So you have to start eating a lot of high cholesterol foods. Because what happens is as soon as you stop the statin drugs, your body immediately starts consuming more cholesterol and needing more cholesterol and you can crash. So you do need to increase your cholesterol intake. And of course, you can always apply for a discovery session. And depending either, the cholesterols are not free, there is a fee for them, but it's possible that I can help you just in the one session, tell you everything you need to know, answer all your questions, get you off the statin drugs. And then there's a spontaneous healing inner circle program where I work with people on a 16-week basis. Uh, it may or may not be necessary for a cholesterol problem, but I, I would let you know. I would tell you, hey, you know, I think what you got here is pretty simple. If you do this, this, and this, it'll work out great. Do you have to stop Alzheimer's drugs slowly as well using the same method you described? Alzheimer's drugs are a different can of worms. You do need to, to drop, stop them slowly as well, but you need to use different methods. You need to be much more aggressive in terms of switching the person over to chemical-free, uh, unprocessed food. Okay. Huh. Would getting rid of big pharma influence and corporate interest in the FDA and having the FDA function in the interest of people, would that be more appropriate as a solution? 
I don't think any one solution is more appropriate than the other. I think, and really, this is definitely a case for brainstorming. However, you need to understand that the FDA was created by Big Pharma. It was created by corporations. And so to say get rid of their, their influence is like saying you want to get rid of the mother who's carrying the child in her womb. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't get it. Okay. Maybe the pill poppers in my family think I'm not. Maybe I should tell them the statins did it. Yes, exactly. Confess and tell them the statins make you crazy. Okay. Is altering your diet in any way treatment? Yes. And so one of these studies, altering diet was the treatment. And so they found that even lowering the cholesterol with diet did not improve people's outcomes. However, the diet they used substituted soy oil and corn oil for the fat from meats. So that's really just, you know, going from bad to worse. What about the fear of salt? Exactly. I, you can leave off the of salt part and just say, what about the fear? Uh, the story on salt is everybody should eat as much salt as their palate requests. And that's, that's the salt story. If the FDA was abolished, they'd flood the market with all kinds of more visible poisons, prompting the herd to insist on a controller to be put back in place. No. If they got rid of the FDA, people wouldn't have the false assurance. They'd say, whoa, back up, back up, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. If I take this drug and I get harmed, then it's on me. There's no defense. There's no one to protect me. And so then people will go back to using herbs and they they would be a lot healthier. So I think if the FDA is abolished, when you say they would flood the market, I don't know who they is, maybe they is the pharmacies uh, or drug companies. I mean, they're already murdering 880,000 people a year in the United States, a pretty high kill rate. And I dare say a large number of that 880,000 would not have kept taking their drugs despite side effects. if the FDA had not approved them. In other words, if they, most people don't die on the first dose of the pill. Most people to drop dead from a drug or to get permanently damaged from a drug, usually, not always, but usually need to take a drug for at least a good week, maybe even a month. That's the case. So what I find in my practice is I would tell patients, if you get any side effects at all, stop the drug, stop the drug. So with that piece of information, the death rate in the practice went to zero, zero. I would tell them, here's some natural things you can do. You can always do nothing. Don't be worried about that. And here's uh, drugs. What do you want to do? And they would, they would pick and choose. But they always knew, as soon as they got side effects, that was a reason to stop the drugs. That meant that while that drug may be great for other people, it wasn't good for them. So... Uh, the problem with the FDA is because of FDA uh, approval, people are given this false assurance and they keep taking the drugs even though they are having side effects. Like in this case study, this guy got four different statin drugs. 
got unbearable muscle aches and pains with all of them and went back to the doctor and said, I don't believe in natural crap. I want your next best pick. That, if drugs did not have FDA approval, people like that would have to rely on themselves and they would know they're relying on themselves. Fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times thing going on here. Are some countries already banning statins? I don't know, but again, this is not a matter for the government intervention or for a, you know, this is not a legal matter here. There's a protocol for prescription prescribing statins, uh, a global protocol, yes. If you're using statins, the, the protocols are global. If people get to ban look for government agencies, correct. However, just banning the government agency would be Fine. All right. That's it. We're at the end of our show. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you again next week. And next week's program is... Hmm. Not really sure. Maybe it's who needs to know. Who needs to know? That's the name of our show. Let's see. Who needs to know? Who needs to know, and what do they need to know to put an end to all this? Who needs to know? All right, and we will see you next week. Same time, same